0: From the East Coast and the sunny shores of South Carolina, welcome to Dark Reality. We'll be discussing the unknown from cryptoids to conspiracy theories and unusual happenings. I'm your host, John Ringo. Welcome to Dark Realities. Good evening and welcome to dark reality. This segment is about the Dybbuk box. The Dybbuk box is a vintage wine cabinet that is said to house a malevolent and malicious spirit known as the Jewish mythology as a Dybbuk. A Dybbuk is an evil possessing spirit believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person. The Dybbuk Box is believed to be the world's most haunted object. It even inspired the 2012 horror film, The Possession. Ghost adventure star and paranormal investigator, Zach Baggins, acquired the box for his Las Vegas haunted museum. Shortly after its arrival, mysterious protruding holes began to appear in the walls around the artifact as if something was trying to break out from within this exhibit. Since it has been on display, Baggins The museum staff and visitors have experienced black, shadowing, fainting feelings of sickness, anger, anxiety, and more. First of all, a little background information. Kevin Mantis was a store owner. Of antiques. Out searching for items for his store, he found an estate auction of items from a Holocaust survivor who had passed at the ripe old age of 103. He won a lot that contained hundreds of dollars and hundreds of items from the store, including a locked wine cabinet that the late woman's granddaughter called the Dybbuk box. Even though Kevin is Jewish, he knew what the Dybbuk was. He took the box and other items from the store and took them home. Took the Dybbuk box down to his basement where he tried to open it had two locks on it. Once the box was opened, Kevin noticed the items inside were a bit strange. Two locks of hair, a silver goblet, two pennies and a piece of stone with the word Shalom written on it. Engraved on the back of the box, written in Hebrew, was a prayer called the Shema. Kevin received a phone call, and he was called out to another auction. He left the Dybbuk box in the basement, where later on, his assistant, Jane Hollerton, Kevin's sale associate, went to the basement to tidy up. Soon after, Kevin got a call saying there's someone in the basement tearing it apart. Breaking glass, breaking fixtures, breaking antique pieces, yelling and screaming, only to find out it was his assistant, Jane. Kevin rushed back to the store where he found Jane curled up in a corner. crying, sobbing, out of control. Jane became unruly. She began cursing at Kevin. She finally just walked out, never to be heard from again. Kevin blamed Jane for the damage, as he couldn't see no other explanation. Later that October, Kevin thought he'd found the perfect gift for his mother, the Dybbuk box. Once Kevin gave the gift to his mother, he was uh, called out. Ida, his mother, examined the box, opening the doors as she felt a cold evil from it. This evil kept her from moving or speaking. Kevin returned to find his mother incapacitated by a stroke. Kevin saw the terror in his mother's eyes. He soon discovered that the common denominator in the situation with Jane and with his mother is the box. Kevin felt it was time to sell it. An older couple came to the store and bought the box. Only to bring it back and leave it at the doorstep. Only days after taking it home. They left a note saying the box had an odd darkness about it since it would otherwise sell it. Kevin put the box in a storage unit behind the house until he could figure out what to do with it. The box was still on the property. Kevin began to feel anxious. He suffered from nightmares and was convinced that the box was cursed. Kevin put the box for sale on eBay. Soon after, a college student named Sam bought the box. The box arrived, and soon after, Kevin noticed, or I'm sorry, Sam noticed, when he entered the room, the smell of cat urine, took it back to the kitchen, where he could open it. Now, Sam only bought this box out of curiosity. Sam began recording his experiences in a blog. The box also became a focal point for house parties, including a moment when Sam thought it would be funny to stick a girl's hand into the open box. The boys thought they were playing innocent pranks. They didn't believe it was haunted until the electronics began wigging out. Sam had to replace his laptop. Other electronics in the house began dying every day. One morning, another of Brian's roommates woke with heavy bloodshot eyes. Bugs were crawling over the box. In the living room, up on the walls, Everywhere Sam grew more reclusive. Noting in his blogs that he was seeing things, Sam began trying to get rid of the box. Jason Haxton, a director of the local medical museum, was fascinated by Sam's blog. He was interested in buying the box trying to find a scientific basis for the things that were happening to Sam. Sam put the box up on eBay, and Jason was on the case. He gave Sam twice what he paid for it. Jason scanned the box for contaminants, but all he found was the dripping of wax in front of the door. It appeared to be used in some sort of a ritual. Within days of the box arriving at the museum, the computers began crashing. Weeks of work were lost. The light bulbs around the box began going out. Sudden illness affected the staff. They made Jason aware that the box was no longer welcome in the museum. Jason took the box, locking it into the trunk of his car. Jason began dreaming of the hags every time he tried to sleep. One night, Jason and his son were watching TV. When his son saw something, Jason looked over, and he saw a black mass developing behind his son. Neither of them could figure out what on earth it could be. Jason decided that the box needed to be isolated and sealed. He took it to the basement of an unused rental property where it had nothing to do with his property or his family. Left it there and locked, it, locked the door. He came home and took a ritual bath to cleanse himself of the evil. From the box. It didn't work. Suddenly, he felt something tearing inside of him. He began vomiting mucus. Outside the door, his wife was panicked over a patch of bloody poison ivy. Jason decided to call Kevin Mantis, the previous owner of the box. Together, the two men began to swap notes about the box. There he met Sophie, the cousin of the old woman who passed out. Sophie told him the story of the box. Prior to World War II, seances were something of a rage back then. Sophie's cousin had made a makeshift Ouija board with embroidery, On a handkerchief. During one of the seances the group contacted what they thought was a Dybbuk. It haunted them as it tried to get them to bring it across into our our realm. The girls used the box to trap the Dybbuk once it had become across came across into our world. Using that knowledge Jason contacted a rabbi and found out the best way to seal the box. It had been hidden away for seven years. No one else has reported further activity so far. For now, it is safe. Our next segment for tonight the Jersey Devil. In southern New Jersey and Philadelphia folklore, the Jersey Devil is a legendary creature said to inhabit the Pine Barrens of South Jersey. The creature is often described as a flying biped with hooves There are many other variations. According to popular folklore, the Jersey Devil originated with a pine baron resident named Jane Leeds, also known as Mother Leeds. The legend states that Mother Leeds had twelve children. After finding out she was pregnant with the 13th, she cursed the child in frustration, crying that the child would be the son of the devil. In 1735, Mother Leeds was in labor on a stormy, cold night. While her friends gathered around her, born as a normal child, the 13th child changed into a horrible creature with hooves, a goat's head, bat wings, and a forked tail. Growling and screaming, it beat everyone with its tail before flying up through the chimney and heading into the pines. In some versions, of the tale, Mother Leeds was supposedly a witch, and the child's father was the devil himself. Some versions of the legend also state that there were subsequently a, an attempt by local clergymen to exorcise the creature from the Pine Barrens. Prior to the 1900s, and before the series of reported sightings of the creature began in 1909, the Jersey Devil was referred to as the Leeds Devil, or the Devil of Leeds, either in connection with the local Leeds family, or the southern New Jersey town, Leeds Point. Mother Leeds has been identified by some as Deborah Leeds during this time nineteen o nine Almost everyone in South Jersey saw it, even the local police they all described it in the same way head of a head of a goat or or a horse. Wings like a bat, bright red piercing evil eyes, hooves of a horse, just a mixed mash of characteristics. Skeptics believe the Jersey Devil to be nothing more than a creative manifestation of early English settlers. Boogeyman stories created and told by bored pine-barren residents as a form of a child's entertainment, the byproduct of the historical local disdain for the Leeds family, the misidentification of known animals and rumors based on common negative perceptions of the local rule. Population of the Pine, par- uh, pine par- Barrens known as Pineys. Okay, those are our two stories during this segment. I'd like to thank everybody for joining in and remember to support. This is John Ringo. Goodbye.